busy. Yeah, but what is that? It's a major award. A major award? Shucks, I wouldn't have known, Dad. It looks like a lamp. Well, it is a lamp, you nincompoop, but it's a major award. I won it. Damn hell, you say you won it? Yeah. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we have an episode that most people probably don't care about, but it's one that I really enjoy. We're doing the 2021 uh, Giants Awards. So we got most outstanding uh, offense and defense, most underrated, most improved, most underwhelming, and then rookie of the year. And then we're going to do our inside linebacker review to pair with it. Justin, how are you feeling? We're recording this before the Sunday slate of playoff games. Hopefully no big news happens, and then we have to postpone this episode. I look like crap, Bobby Skinner. Hi. Good morning to you. Good day to everybody who is... Hit the thumbs up if you agree with Justin. Hit the thumbs up if you agree that I look like shit every day and all day. Um, Yeah, nobody deserves, uh, I guess, MVP, right? I mean, we're we're, we're doing offensive... We always just do offensive and defensive MVP. But we're doing most outstanding. We're changing it this year. See, I got rid of and the value because then you would get a lot of daniel jones votes on offense and i want just the i just want the best player on offense oh, okay. that year. i don't want i don't okay. want to do the well technically like that daniel jones is the most valuable player on offense he's not yeah. the most outstanding player because we were scoring a whopping what 18 points per game with him and two offensive touchdowns and that went to down that went down to nine and then it was less, uh, i think it got down to less like i think it might have been actually i think it went down to nine point two points per game but literally yeah. scoring half the amount of points yeah so it went from a whopping two offensive touchdowns with daniel jones to one and i would say that makes him pretty valuable yeah so we'll get into all that and then the inside line back review which is basically just gonna be a take crowder conversation um and then some cleanup on the other guys before we get into the awards though justin we have some new members of the whole fam family and th- we got six of them three of the six are in the world beater tier wow How about that? We got David Weiss. He's very wise. He's Weiss. Mm-hmm. Devin Burr. Burr. Bill Burr. Marty uh, Malella. He, I think he lost his card information, so he had to recreate a new Patreon account, but we'll say your name twice. Is this guy. the same Marty as... Remember Bridge Marty? No, this isn't him, I don't think. Aw. Ethan Audie. Ooh, that's a very familiar name. And then we got Michael. Michael with no last name. You know, <clears throat> my cousin, who was like my best friend growing up, his name is Michael. And then one time in school, someone said, Michael, Michael, motorcycle, turn the key and watch him pee. And my cousin Michael punched him in the face on the spot. Nice. He's now in prison. And the final one, we have Ethan Tyler, who has two first names, which were a big two first name podcasts. Justin, who are these first named imprisoned uh, burr people? Related to Steven Tyler. Uh, Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Think we need to bring back voicemails just so we can get an update on Marty on if the Giants caused him to jump off that bridge that he was contemplating jumping off in 2020. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. Come hang out with us. Watch the shows live if you want to get some intimate chats because the shows, hopefully, they're going to be slowing down. I guess in a month. That's a lot. I mean, I guess they're not going to be slowing down soon because we're still looking for jams, still looking for head coach, or... Come watch with us live. Hang out with us live. When we hire the GM, when we hire the head coach, those are going to be exciting. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants plus some other tiers. Thank you to our patrons. All right, Justin, let's get into the awards. Like I said, we have Rookie of the Year, Most Underwhelming, Most Improved, Most Underrated, Defensive Most Outstanding, and Offensive Most Outstanding. And we tried to maybe have some different answers so we're not just been like, oh, look, we agree on everything on this. But for Offensive Most Outstanding, we can't disagree, right? The listeners... Tom Andrew Thomas got 108 votes. Daniel Jones got two. Devontae Booker got one. It's Andrew Thomas, right? I mean, he was by far the best player on this offense. I don't think you can make an argument for anyone else, really. Who voted for Devontae Booker? I don't know. Someone, I someone trying to be a smartass or something. <laughs> and all all the smartass ones, I like. I didn't count them. Like, okay. you're not getting counted. We're, we're taking this serious. Yes. Had Andrew Thomas on um, PFF, which... Hey, you know, we got we to gotta unfortunately go with PFF when we're looking at offensive line sets since nobody really else keeps them. And I don't like looking at pass block win rate or pass uh, or run block win rate. 
Two sacks allowed, four QB hits, 13 hurries per PFF. One of the sacks was against Tampa Bay, and then the other sack was against Robert Quinn, who was going after the franchise record. And then for like half those reps and those 16 reps all game, Andrew Thomas dumped Robert Quinn on the ground anyway. So phenomenal year. I think he's one of, I I, I think I did a stat at one point where he was like one of 10 offensive tackles or 10 left tackles. Um, to only allow like one sack in the middle of the year. And this was towards the latter part of the year. So he missed a couple games due to an ankle injury, but played through that injury. And he was a stud all year. And you could see towards the beginning part of the season how well Daniel Jones was operating, how somewhat well the offense was operating. And then when he was gone, it felt like the season started to derail from there. Thomas is an awesome, awesome player. And he's not just winning this award because the off the rest of the offense is bad. Like, if Kenny Galladay had 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns, would he get some votes? Yes. But the the answer would still be Andrew Thomas. You mentioned the two sacks. One was in the second-to-last uh, play of the game versus the Buccaneers and, and total garbage time. And the other one was against Robert Quinn, who, again, was only his only purpose of that game was to get the Bears' sack record. Like, every play, he was not playing the run. He was just, I'm going to try and dip around this edge. And Andrew Thomas put him on the ground six times. He was dumping. And even, even on that play, it was like, Glennon could have stepped up and that didn't happen, but you know, two sacks allowed. He was a dominant, dominant force this year. Now there's some more to be desired in the run game, but part of the reason he didn't have a great game uh, 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 year in the run game is because they're like, okay, this is the only guy we can trust. Let's just single block him on the defensive end, which is just never a block where you're going to blow people up unless you're Makai Becton. So like he didn't get to work. Like he was a better run blocker in 2020 because they let him, you know, block with Shane Lemieux and work double teams and down block and stuff. Like, that's a big reason why, you know, so it's not like there's more to be desired in the run game, but he wasn't a bad run blocker. Like, do you remember, like, there's a couple times where he, you know, whiffed and fell on his knees, but that happens for every single player. And honestly, if this, if he was on a good team, and because, you know, I got into the debate on, on Friday that, you know, like Tristan Wirfs made all pro uh, at right tackle. Well, guess what? If Andrew Thomas didn't have the narratives from his rookie year, which does matter for offensive line play, because people don't watch offensive line play. And you know what they definitely don't watch? Offensive line play on the New York Giants. If he had the benefit of the doubt of having some good uh, press his rookie season. If he got to play right tackle. And was on a Super Bowl winning team. He would be getting all pro votes. Now, Tristan Wirfs, if he played left tackle, he wouldn't be getting all pro votes either. Because left tackle is where the best tackles play. And it's such a more valuable position. Yep. You know? Like left tackle is a much more valuable position than right tackle. Right tackle is very important, but left tackle is much more important. And Justin, we remember we did our redraft segment last year of how we'd redraft the 2020 draft. Maybe I was being biased, but I was like, I'm staking with Andrew Thomas. Like by the end of the year, he was better than Becton and Jedrick Wills, and he wasn't as good as Worse, but Worse played that right tackle role. And I always expected Thomas to need to get better at some things. He was a very consistent player. He got better as his rookie year went on and then got better on top of that. And I'm just so proud of his second year. You know, to think we were panicking about this guy after a preseason game, and now he's like, he's the cornerstone of the franchise. The well, one you weren't panicking you about him. You, you said exactly what I... was a little worried, I, but I wasn't panicked, you know? You said exactly what I think that they were working on after that Pats game. You know, he, he, had, a, he had a little bit of a bad game, but you looked at it and you were like, well, Andrew Thomas is doing some things that are different than what made him a little bit successful towards the latter part of the season in 2020. So you're like, I don't think he's going to continue to do that. And I think they're just working on some stuff. And lo and behold, uh, they're making him more consistent and it worked. Yeah. Thank you. were proven right. End of his rookie season. He was winning off of his athleticism and strength this year. He was using those, but he was using every pass set was consistent. Every single pass set was consistent, man. So I'm, I'm like really proud of his his second year, and I'm I'm just so excited for his future going forward. And he's bought yeah. easily the offensive most outstanding player. Four QB hits and thirteen hurries also per PFF, and they do like to overestimate those you know hurries, QB hits, and sacks. So I mean, just outstanding, outstanding year. And the Giants can win some football games next year. Hopefully, he gets more national recognition for for being a stud. And still, like the I feel like the thing that was still looming over him is. An injury, like all all year. It was through 2020 and then also 2021. Missed a few games with that ankle injury. He didn't wind up missing any games his rookie year, but you know, still play the majority of the season with that ankle injury. Let's stay healthy next year, and let's see what we can do when we're healthy. Love it. Um, all right. Defensive most outstanding player. Listeners went, Xavier McKinney got 96 votes. Odora Jackson got seven. 
Leonard Williams got six. James Bradbury had three. Aziz had two. Justin, I put most outstanding because this guy, you know, this guy didn't play the full season, but he was a shut down corner. Now we can talk about most valuable and maybe that goes to Bradbury, but most outstanding was Adore Jackson to me. Really? I know he, I know he only had the one interception, but he was a shut down corner. He was holding, like, we were playing some good offenses, holding his receiver to less than 20 yards. That's when the defense was at its best, when we're, like, putting together, like, you know, per game stretch, you know, when, actually, when Andrew Thomas was down and we were, you know, playing the Chiefs and the Panthers and and uh, and uh, and the Raiders. Adore Jackson was just flat out balling. And he came back in the last game of the year, by the way, and no one even rec- realized because he didn't get any passes thrown on him. Like, he was a shutdown corner this year. So Adore Jackson, to me, was my most outstanding player. I almost went with McKinney or Bradbury. I think you can make arguments for both of those, but Adore Jackson is my most outstanding defensive player. He had eight pass deflections, which is the third most in his career. He had 17 his rookie year. He had 10 in 2018. And you look at that, it's like, well, it didn't make a lot of plays on the ball. But let me listen to this. And I was researching and preparing for this on a on a nice Saturday night. And 38, tar- 38 completions allowed on 73 targets in 13 games. I mean, that is almost, a, you know, if we want to look at the 16-game the rate, that, that usually is, that's almost a full season, and that's a 52.1 completion rate allowed, 9.3 yards per target, 4.8 yards per target, 69 quarterback rating allowed, which sometimes, you know, for quarterbacks, I'm like, yeah, quarterback rating do- doesn't really matter, but I do think it can sometimes be a good snapshot, especially if it's really down like that. 69 quarterback rating allowed for a Dory Jackson. Didn't allow those big plays, didn't allow touchdowns, and really, really important, really, really key. Average depth of target was 10.7. So that's solid. That's really, really good. He had career best in every single category, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. That's when the defense was at its best. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that you went there. I wasn't... I wanted to give it to him, but I I didn't fully commit on Adoree Jackson. But I'm gl- I'm glad you went there because he really was, especially when you look at the advanced metrics. You know, if you look at just the tackles and the pass deflections, you're like, oh, Adoree Jackson had better years, and even AV uh, approximate value. That's a that's a metric that I kind of like from Pro Football Reference. It's it's helpful to look at AV like when we're doing these GM searches. And we're looking at these draft classes. It's helpful to look at AV of like, oh, look at this fifth-round player with a really good AV from the draft class of 2018. So even though that was the third best of his career, still you look at those advanced metrics and the completion rate, 52.1, where this Patrick Graham defense, I typically think of this Graham defense as corners who get targeted a lot, but they're not allowing big plays. So they can get targeted a lot, and their completion rates can be kind of high, but they're not allowing big plays. Dory Jackson... He was targeted, but he didn't even allow completions. It was, you know, it basically was a coin flip on if he allowed a completion. That is awesome, and that is not something that we have seen from this Graham defense. And that was the addition of a Dory Jackson bringing that element to this defense. Who's yours? Mine is Xavier McKinney. Um, I I wanted to go Jackson, but I, I couldn't. You know, the fact that McKinney played 17 games and... Yeah, Jackson was there for also the, the 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 middle part of the stretch of the season as well. But when the defense really started to turn it on, like post-Carolina Panther game, that is when we started talking about Xavier McKinney playing at this really, really good, high-level player, you know, caliber type of player. So his completion right now, it's a little sketch to look at completion rates and targets when we're talking about safeties, yeah, you especially basically center field safeties. But, I mean, let's compare it from last year, Bobby. Pro Football Reference had him on the hook for 12 completions on 13 targets. That's nineteen. That's that's 92.3. This year, they had him on the hook for 38 completions allowed on 56 targets. That's 67.9%. It's quite a dramatic difference, and I think for a center field safety, that's pretty good. Also, yards per completion for center field safety, 11.7 yards per completion. I think that's pretty, pretty good. And the average depth of target being 9.6. So that number being less than 10, I consider that a plus. When you're targeted, you're keeping that under 10. Uh, Quarterback rating, 72.2, allowing three touchdowns. But the five interceptions were key. And there were some key interceptions that came in key moments. He did have some dropped interceptions, 
um, and that was towards, I think, more or less heavy in the first part of the season. But playing that position, that's a hard position to play. You know, center field or just deep safety, whether he's sharing that responsibility with Logan Ryan, I think that's a really, really hard position to play. I think in its most notable, we saw Antoine Bethea really struggled it. A pro's pro, Antoine Bethea, really, really struggled with it and was the worst safety in the National Football League in 2019 in James Betcher's defense. McKinney struggles with the first part of the, at the first quarter of the season, really gets it going, really gets his, you know, his sea legs under him, and he becomes a very, dare I say, valuable player for this Giants defense and this whole mission that you should have in the National Football League of preventing the big play. Xavier McKinney did that, plus he made some plus-plus plays with forcing turnovers, getting pass deflections, also had 10 pass deflections. I have some takes on Xavier McKinney, but I might be saving them for a different award, and they have to do with that award. So I will I will save my takes on, on McKinney. Next award, most underrated. This is a tough one because the team was so bad that anyone who was probably pretty good is going to be properly rated because we're looking for someone to be good. Uh, the listeners went Adore Jackson, which I think might be the right answer, but I picked him for defensive MVP, so I didn't want to pick him again, with 22 votes. Devontae Booker got 15 Austin Johnson got 13, as well as Julian Love, and then Daniel Jones got eight. Who's your who's your answer for this? You know what? I was prepared to have two answers, and I really didn't care which one I was going to go with, and I was going to go based on how everybody else picked. So I'm going to go with James Bradbury. That's a good answer. I'm going to go with James Bradbury. So, played 15 games last year, was targeted 91 times. 17 games this year, targeted 115 times. So, he was, I think, if you put it on the 16-game basis and compare it to 2020 and 2021, he was targeted probably a little bit more this year, but I would still say it's relatively the same. A lot 71 completions, 61.7 completion rate. 2020, it was 61.5%. So, the completion rate was basically relatively the same. The yards per target was 0.9 of a yard more. The yards per target since 2018, it was the most throughout his entire career, throughout that four-year span since Pro Football Reference started keeping track of it. His average depth of target, however, when he was targeted, was the least since 2018, was the least this year throughout his entire career. He also had four interceptions, which was a career high for him. How many pass deflections did he have? He had 17 pass deflections. 2020, he had 18. So James Bradbury did not have the all-pro Pro Bowl year that he had in 2020. He allowed eight touchdowns. He allowed some touchdowns, and the plays that he allowed were like, oh my God, James Bradbury just allowed a really big play, and that's bad, and then you get mad at him. But still wasn't consistent enough for me to say James Bradbury is a bad corner. Like, those big plays weren't like, I, I don't think he's a part of the answer. I still think James Bradbury is the number one corner for the New York Football Giants. Is he a top five, top ten corner? You know, maybe we shouldn't expect that every single year. But James Bradbury can still be a number one corner for the New York Football Giants. I hope we bring in a defensive coordinator that does things that fit to his strengths because he is a very good football player alongside Dory Jackson. He still makes plays on the football. He made some key interceptions this year. He's still, just like everybody in the secondary, he dropped interceptions that he should have caught. James Bradbury is still a valuable player. And I think now, whereas last year we were calling him the most valuable player, now he's underrated. Yeah, and you can make an argument that he is still like the most valuable player on the defense, but it's like Adore Jackson, like, you know, I have the most outstanding, but he did get to play against wide receiver twos. So if you put Adore on wide receiver one and Bradbury on wide receiver two, maybe, you know, the conversation flips. So yeah, I, I think that's a good one because of because of those reasons. Yeah. This one, an man, approximate, th hold on, an approximate value, like I talked about a little while ago, approximate value for pro football reference has... James Bradbury as this is the this is his second most valuable year with an AV of seven and then in 2020 it was uh 10. So I mean I think that just shows how bananas his 2020 was. 2021 he kind of came back to earth, but he was still the kind of player that he has been throughout his entire career and still not a bad football player. Most underrated for me. This is a tough one because like you said or like I said Anyone who was played well got, I feel like, properly rated. So Dory Jackson's probably the right answer, but I did vote him for defensive most outstanding. And I wrote down Tay Crowder. 
because I think his PFF grade and him being at that linebacker one has put him like in the doghouse. And we're going to talk about that later with the inside linebacker review. But I'm going to do someone who had, a, I think, a better year than Tay Crowder. Partly because when I tweet this out, I don't want people telling me that Tay Crowder is not underrated. I'm going to go Austin Johnson. You know, he's not Dalvin Tomlinson, but he filled into that role nicely. You know, like there was there wasn't bad Austin Johnson plays. He didn't get moved off the ball. You know, he wasn't like Dalvin where he was blowing centers up, but he turned into some sack production, some tackle for a loss production. Like he was a, a good solid player, but because he plays that nose tackle role and didn't have like that definitive like, like you know, I'm a New York Giant captain Dalvin Thompson role and people missing Dalvin, I feel like he kind of just got overlooked. But I think Austin Johnson played up to his contract this year. Um, so I'm going to go Austin Johnson for my most underrated. And you kind of took my thunder there because Austin Johnson is my most improved player. Talk I, mean, about I just it. figured I just figured that just made the most logical sense. I mean, this guy went from one sack in 2020 to three and a half. I mean, that's more than triple the production. He had 18 tackles in 2020, 72 tackles in 2021, which had to be among the league's best. Like Austin Johnson played 57% of the snaps in 2021, but at 72 tackles, had seven QB hits, six tackles for loss, which that was three times the amount that he had in 2020, only two tackles for loss, and he had an AV of nine. And the best that he ever had in his career was 2018. He had an AV of five, and what? He played, you know, started nine games, 16 games total, played 38% of the snaps. This year he played 57% of the snaps, also played 25% of the special team snaps too. So... Like I said, like you said, I mean, this this guy just he played up to his contract. I think the production was very much kind of centered towards the first half of the season. So maybe the second half of the season, last quarter of the season, he kind of really disappeared. You know, along with the rest, I feel like of the the defensive line and these edge rushers, which we can talk about. But Austin Johnson, most improved from last year, from thinking that I have that sour taste in my mouth from that Bears game where. He was in the game, and the Bears just ran the ball down our throats and drove down the field towards the latter part of the game. And I'm screaming on the podcast, why is Austin Johnson in the game? And now he's a guy where I'm like, I want to keep this guy around. Your most improved is Austin Johnson. There's two ways of looking at this award. It can be from last year to this year, or from the start of the season to the end of the season. Um, and and last year, I, I did, you know, my most improved was Isaac Edom. People are like, what? Like you went from bench to being like a cornerback too, who you're not like terrified of playing out there. So I went with someone who I was extremely critical of at the start of the year because he wasn't on TV screens. People didn't see the mistakes he was making, but he was making serious mistakes. And, and he had two touchdowns essentially that he gave up taken off the board, you know, KJ Hamlin versus the Broncos dropped that touchdown. And then, uh, the, the Marquez Callaway touchdown, the saints game that got called back on the holding on Leonard Williams. Xavier McKinney was not a good safety the first four or five games of this season. The first four games or so of this season, Xavier McKinney was a bad safety. He wasn't playing with instincts. He was screwing up uh, the two high looks, which I'm sure like drove Patrick Graham crazy. He was biting on stuff that he shouldn't have. And then by the end of the year, he's the player you're probably most excited about on the defense, playing with instincts, pl- being able to play that center field ra- uh, spot with range, getting from sideline to sideline understanding zone coverages, passing them off, not getting beat on those two high beaters. Like Xavier McKinney from start of the season to end of the season went from a player who I was like disappointed in, like kind of like, why are people not met? I was like, why are people not as disappointed with Xavier McKinney? I know the answer is because that deep safety spot's not on TV a lot. Yeah. Um, to like, okay, now this guy is just a playmaker. Like he is a consistent playmaker at that deep safety spot, which is so hard to find. Like mm-hmm. it's really hard to find a, a safety who can play that deep role and be able to also make plays and make plays, but also stop you from giving up plays. You know, because a lot of times it's like, okay, they, you know, they're not going to get beat deep, but they don't make any plays on the ball, or they make plays on the ball, but they make huge mistakes. McKinney found that balance towards the end of the year, and he's my most improved. The listeners went Thomas with 70, McKinney for 21, Lorenzo Carter got five, Crowder got four, and Julian Love got two. Do you think there are people that are screaming at their phones right now or whatever you're watching on? about saying uh, Evan Ingram because there are people that really think that Evan Ingram did not have a bad year. Well, he didn't I'm... have any drop passes, but he didn't do anything really good either. You can make an argument for most improved for Evan Ingram just beyond not dropping the ball. Because if you look at the, you know, I I said I said this point a million times over the 2020 offseason about how Evan Ingram was the most costly 
target in the National Football League on an EPA basis where he cost his team the most like expected points added. Um, whereas this year he did not, he was not the most costly player to target in the National Football League. So if you want to look at most improved from an analytical sense, probably can give it to Evan Ingram. <laughs> yeah. He just didn't have a good enough year for me to be like, all right, no, let me, no, let me, let me go on it. Uh, most underwhelming. So I wanted to do this Leonard Williams, but I was like, it's just, there's some, this is the most dessert. Like there's so many guys who can, uh, win this one. You'd be forcing it if you did Leonard Williams. Yeah. The listeners, I was actually surprised with what the, I, I wasn't surprised with number one. They went Kenny Galladay got 46 votes votes. You know who got second? Who? Will Hernandez. Now he definitely ha- was underwhelming from like we expect him to at least be like an average, like a like kind of fall into like some games are gonna be a below average guard, some games are better better than average. He did have his worst year by far, so I get it. But also it's like year four, and no, I don't think anyone should have expected him to be good. Barkley got ten, Ryan got eight, Parrot got five, and I'm going first because I want I don't want I want to steal this from you if you were gonna say it. Saquon Barkley for me. Did you good. see this the stat going around the other day? That since 2018, no one has more 50-plus yard plays than Saquon Barkley? He didn't have any in 2020. He didn't he have any one, in 2021. One receiving, one receiving touchdown. So the last two years, he has one, and he's still leading the most. Were those O-lines good in 2018 and 19? No. No. Saquon's expected to play above that. Yeah, he did with ankle injuries in 2019. I know he's coming off the injury. But I, I, Saquon averaged less than four yards per carry. He tied for the leading lead as the leading rusher with less carries than the backup. He had less catches than the backup and had less yards, or had one more catch and less yards than Devontae Booker. To me, that is, there's no player I'm more underwhelmed with than Saquon Barkley. I understand the goal; they didn't get the touchdown and stuff, but, uh, you know, he was the leading receiver and he was. I do think he was misused uh, really badly, and then Daniel Jones got hurt. Saquon Barkley, man, this. I understand coming off injury, but to me, it's like I expect more out of you. I expect more out of you. Where I like, you know, I think the number one thing that's done this offseason, personnel wise, should be setting up a trade for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if if we're if you tell me that we're in a world in the month of August, if you tell me that we're in a world where Saquon Barkley gets less yards than Devontae Booker, I'm like, okay, then Saquon Barkley was hurt. But if you tell me that Saquon Barkley also got five more carries than Devontae Booker and he and he somehow had less yards, I'm like, you're full of shit. I just I just I just don't believe you. But that's the world that we're living in. And you know, again, it's uh, it's the previous regime put the expectation on him that the running back and this guy can make the quarterback better. He can make the offensive line better. He can make the defense better. He can make everybody better, you know? And that's not a fair expectation to put on a running back. But even not even looking at it from the value conversation, Saquon Barkley should be better, and he does have to be better. There should I mean, be more big plays. Flat out, flat it's, out, the the truth. I understand if he's not hitting the whole, like you know, he's not like he's not getting the the two three extra yards, but he should have those big plays too. You know, I mean, I put together a highlight film of 2019 and left out a good chunk of plays that would have been like the top ones of of 2021, and it's like, man, this guy is amazing. It's like no matter what you think of the running back spot. This guy is amazing, spectacular. Even dealing with, and this year he was just, he's just a bad running back, like uh, just a bad running back overall. He had he had essentially one good game versus the Saints, and even even what was the the Eagles game where he had like barely over 100 yards at the end of the season? It's yeah. like I don't. It's like they they handed the ball off 24 times. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna you know celebrate him getting over that 100 yard mark. Like it was yeah. it was a decent game. But it wasn't like some really good Saquon Barkley game. All right. Who's yours? I got to go Kenny Galladay. Okay. I got to. You know? Now, how much of it is his fault? How much of it is quarterback I was hoping you'd play? go Logan Ryan. No. I, I, how, can, how can you not go Kenny Galladay? Because I was gonna go Saquon Barkley, you know, just because I don't, I didn't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to give it to Kenny Galladay. But I mean, Bobby, let's just the stat line from this year: thirty-seven catches, seventy-six targets, forty-eight point seven catch catch rate per, percent catch rate. Remember how we were saying towards the beginning part of the season that he has the seventy-five percent. It was like his career best through like the first five or six weeks. It was it was his career best by twenty percent, over twenty percent. 
and now he finishes with his career worst in catch percentage. That's why I don't fully want to do this, because towards the beginning part of the season, even though he was still getting criticized by Giants fans, Kenny Galladay was having a solid season. I actually maybe want to go back. I don't like to do this, what you usually do, Bobby, but after the Saints game, which is four games in, I want to do like a 16-game rate, and I want to see what would that season look like because he started out the season four for six, three catches on eight targets, four for five, six for seven against the Saints, and against the Saints, it was a triple-digit game, 116-yard game, and you know, he didn't catch any big, kind of big plays, but they had yards after the catch. Him and Tony were like yards after the catch. They did things differently where Tony was shifty. Galladay was like that big bruiser who would you know get the yards after contact and he would be thumping down the field. And it was fun. He was having a solid start to the season. And then, you know, he, he gets hurt and he misses time and just just isn't the same after that. And Daniel Jones misses time. And I put it on quarterback play also because and you can talk more about this. You do need to have quarterback play that can execute those back shoulder throws right. and also being able to locate jump balls so you can put Kenny Galladay in an optimal situation to go up and catch a football. It doesn't always need to be a perfectly thrown ball. And the quarterback that seemed to get it the most was Jake Fromm, and that's sad. <laughs> three of his his top three receiving performances were week one, three, and four. Yeah. You know. Where it's like, it's like, at that point of the season, we're like, man, I, it sucks we haven't got the touchdown yet. But it's like, man, he's, he's playing well, though. Like, he's playing well. And never got the... The fact that he didn't get a touchdown blows me away. Like, that is insane that that didn't happen. I know. We, we signed this guy to transform the offense. I mean, that was the idea. I mean, go, you know, go back to that March episode where the Giants signed Kenny Galladay and you know, we're, we we're saying that this guy can transform our offense, and it isn't even necessarily tied to, oh, but you need can Kenny Holiday block? It's not even tied to that. It's almost just as simple as snapping the ball. And if he's one on one, and if you're playing single high safety against the Giants, and they're not shadowing towards Kenny Holiday, throw that football up to him. I mean, that's what they did in Detroit. That's what made him. But Jason Garrett I, hated back shoulder throws. Like he. <sighs> he there was no back shoulder. Like the only time we threw back shoulder throws was when teams jumped off sides. And, the, and, and why and sign then, him? And then the, I know, I know, it doesn't make sense. So he's definitely underwhelming. But the thing to me is why I don't have him as the most underwhelming, is because is because, and he won't even be my second place. I'd probably have like probably maybe like fourth. Um, it's just like, like you said, the QBs didn't throw him back shoulder. I'll, I'll have like back shoulder opportunities, um, and like just. Like, he hated Jason Garrett, by the way. Like, that's that was reported on. Like, he hated Jason Garrett. Like, he wanted to make it clear. Like, I wasn't yelling at Daniel Jones. I was yelling at Jason Garrett. Like, we thought that Galladay would hopefully change the way we played this offense, and it just didn't. It just didn't, which is... Yeah. Which is pretty frustrating. Yeah, instead of, instead of end zone fades being practiced in training camp next year, because that's all that they were doing, just end zone fades, end zone fades, end zone fades... Let's practice on these back shoulder throws. Let's run routes and let's get some different combination of back shoulder throws, you know, we're working on here where Galladay's got to contort and based on a situation, based on yard distance, etc. Let's be practicing that during training camp this year. Even if Kenny Galladay's hurt and he's uh, limping throughout the entire thing, because that was annoying last year. Oh, okay, great. They're practicing their chemistry on end zone fades. Great. And when you got third and seven and they're doing giving you the double A gap mug look, Okay, fine. We're throwing that to Galladay. That's the play, is we're throwing the ball to Kenny Galladay on the sideline. So unless you want to bring those safeties up and bring those linebackers out, that's what we're doing on those plays. All right, Rookie of the Year. The listeners went Aziz with 110 votes. Kadarius Tony got five. Aaron Robinson got one. This is Aziz Ojulari all the way, and I won't accept any other answer. He led the team in sacks and tackles for a loss. Aziz Ojulari is the Rookie of the Year. I would love for it to be Kadarius Tony, but he didn't play enough games. I'm approaching this award as the rookie that I'm most excited about heading into next year. So I was doing some right. I was doing some stat research last night, and Aziz Ojolari had 27 pressures. 13 QB hits, 27 pressures, and I think he played 67% of the snaps. Those numbers need to go up, like without a doubt. He needs to get more consistent pressure on the quarterback. He was double teamed, if you look at the... The pass, the, the pass rush win rate, and then the double team rate. 
He was double teamed at one of the lowest rates in the National Football League, but the pass rush win rate was almost average. So, so, so good on him on that end, but he was double teamed at one of the least rates in the, in the National Football League. He's got to get more pressures. He's got to get more kits on the quarterback next year. That has to happen. Hopefully, when we draft an edge this year, that can hopefully be opposite of him. Hopefully, his production can go up and that can help. And he just takes a natural year two jump anyway because he's really young. But I was looking at Gregory Rousseau, who played like less than 50% of the snaps. He had 24 pressures. Aziz had 27. He had 24. So I need to see more pressure on the quarterback from Aziz. So I'm not more excited about Aziz compared to my rookie of the year. I'm flat out more excited about Aaron Robinson. You're such a scumbag. That's such a scumbag thing to say. He played like three games. I am more excited about Aaron Robinson. I just am. And I look at that Miami game where he played. You can make an argument for Tony. This is a scumbag move by you. He applied 100% of the snaps. What did you say about Tony? I said you can make the argument for Tony. It wouldn't be right, but you can make the argument. This is a scumbag move going Aaron I'm praying. Robinson. I'm praying Tony makes it through the offseason, all right? That's 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 a worry on my mind. Um, look at that Miami game where he played like 100% of the snaps, and he was playing outside. There was actually some more games where he played outside, outside corner than slot corner. And I think, you know, where, where he should slot, no pun intended, is the slot corner. I think that's where he naturally projects. But he played slot and outside during that Miami game, and covering Jalen Waddle, making some third down stops on Jalen Waddle, going up with like six 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 five Mike Gusecki in the back of the end zone and deflecting passes back there. Awesome tackler, good form, made some plays there. I am more exci- flat out more excited about Aaron Robinson coming out playing, I think, better than Darnay Holmes did in, in, the sl- in the slot because they asked Aaron Robinson to do more than what they asked Darnay Holmes to do in 2020. He's a more physical football player. He covers tight ends, covers wide receivers. He can go in the slot. He can go outside. I am more excited about what Aaron Robinson can do for this football team heading into next year and the value that he can bring. Well, we, we this is a rookie of the year, not sophomore of the year award. Well, I changed it. I am a scumbag, so. He's not, this is, he shouldn't, he's fourth place. It should be Aziz one, Kadarius two, Quincy Roche three. I don't know about that. Again, this is rookie of the year, not sophomore of the year. I hope you get lit up when you tweet that out. I really do. Um, no, I don't. And you, I think and you're going to get all I, mad and be like, "Well, I'm," and you're going to try and explain it to every single person, and they're all well, going to call while you. While you were idiot. sick, while you were sick and you were down bad, you missed. Really, I watched the, the games. No, I. You didn't talk about it though, so you don't have to think about it the same way. You missed the greatness that is Aaron Robinson, and I, for those couple weeks when I was making those clips. I was forming the Aaron Robinson fan club, and people are not going to roast me for that because I have an Aaron Robinson fan club, and it's very strong. You deserve to be roasted for that. All right, inside line. Oh, actually, add. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for the new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just, five, bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on, on the action. Get in on, on the action for the divisional round. How about that? Get in on the action in the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with daily DraftKings Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code JOHNBOY, and get 56-1 to odds on any NFL team. Um, We're recording this before the Cowboys 49ers game. I would bet on the 49ers for the division round. They're going to win today. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code JOHNBOY for 56-1 to odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. Official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9 with it. All right, inside linebacker review. Let's talk about Tay Crowder. We'll, we'll, we'll try and go quick through this. But Tay Crowder, I, I think, deserves to be talked about. He played the entire year. Like, he barely missed a snap this season. 130 tackles, three tackles for a loss, zero sacks, one QB hit, and two interceptions. Both his interceptions were actually against running backs. Did you know that? And he had a lot of trouble covering running backs this year. 
Both his interceptions were against running backs. Like running oh, backs throwing oh, the ball. Oh, that's not nice. David Montgomery and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> so, here's the very clear thing about Tay Crowder. He's not going to be good in that linebacker one role. But I feel like he could be good in that linebacker two role. Maybe not like best linebacker two in the role where you had like, you know, vintage Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith type stuff. But, like, look at it from him playing the entire year. He went from one, one sack his rookie year to zero sacks. Three tackles for a loss in both seasons. That should be more. Like, that, that tackles for a loss should be more at that linebacker one role. He wasn't good at it. Went from three QB hits to only one QB hit. So, like, the only thing he got improved on was total tackle, which just comes with the role of playing that inside linebacker one spot. So, he's not good in that role. He took just too long to process what the running plays were happening, which was allowing blockers to get up into him. And then when they would block, like the Cowboys game, when they were running outside, he was just not following the guards. He was looking at the running back and was getting pinned down by tackles or tight ends, whoever was like blocking him, washing him off, leading to big plays. So he doesn't fit in that role, especially with the way the Giants played more too high. So you don't have a, a player uh, designated for every gap pre-snap. But I do think if you put him back in that gap, uh, you know, gap, you know, like if we go, if we get a defensive coordinator who's going to run like a, a one high system, you put him back in that gap role. I think he's a player who will feel better about next year next to Blake Martinez. But him him not being that linebacker one role clearly is not good. Yeah, he was one of the players that week by week, just by watching the, the, the broadcast, just by watching the broadcast or simply just by being at the game, not even watching you know the tape. It's just like, dude, just missed assignments, missed tackles, just not not reading things the right way, or he's in a gap, but then he doesn't make a play, or even just yards after contact, just, just in general. Um, I was not happy with him. And, you know, I I didn't really criticize him all that much where I'm like, I don't feel like, I still feel like Tay Crowder can be part of an answer, where if he was drafted in the third round, Bobby, I'm like, get this guy out of here. This guy's not good. I He should be a backup. He should be third string where now he was he's drafted seventh round and he's Mr. Irrelevant, I feel like that's why I'm saying to myself, you know what, he kind of still was interior linebacker number one this year, and he still kind of kept his defense afloat. And that's how I approach it in my brain. Does that make sense? Yeah, and there's we want, I want to talk about his coverage, and I think his coverage was good. Uh, you know, and I, I know coverage grades uh, don't say that, but those cover, the PFF doesn't know what they're talking about when they're talking about linebacker coverage. Um you know, like run stops. Like not, let's not even look at the raw stats. Like the run stops by PFF, which is like a, a run at, of two yards or less, I believe. He was twenty sixth total or twenty third total in that with uh, twenty six. And then for guys who started games, I put like fifty percent of like whoever had the most snaps. He was had the forty fourth worst, forty uh, fourth best percentage, which is really bad compared to Blake. Now, don't expect him to be Blake, but Blake was seventh in that and tenth in percentage in twenty twenty. So obviously a clear like he missed Blake. But here's the thing. At one point in the season, I was like, and we can talk about Raglan. It's like, won't they put him back at the inside linebacker two role and let Raglan play? But I do think Patrick Graham has trust in him. Like, I think Tay Crowder is a smart player and, like, trusted him to run that huddle and call yeah. out the defenses. Like, I think he's a smart player. He's just not fit for that inside linebacker one role. Um, at least not at least not now. You know, maybe in year four, year five, Tay Crowder can turn into that. Um, not like a really good Blake Martinez type, but like a solid one, but he's just not that right now in the run game. Like the run game struggled with him being the number one. I do think he played better with Jalen Smith. Is that a bad take? No, it's not. And we'll talk about Jalen Smith was the only linebacker to really fly around on this team. We'll talk about him, um, last, like the, the other three guys that we have to talk about are, are free agents. And then Carter Coughlin, who really didn't play. Yeah. Isn't that, can we, let's just acknowledge that. I'm glad you brought him up, man. It's a shame that he's not on here. I thought that he was going to, I mean, play 25% of the snaps this year where he can come in on third downs. And 15. And, like, they used him a little bit, and he had some, like, a couple of nice pass rush moves, but it just, he got hurt. So, that being said, Tay Crowder's a pretty dang, like, he's a pretty decent coverage linebacker, you know? Like, he understands zones. He understands uh, not covering grass and covering a man. He understands not just looking at the defender, but turning your head to the QB. He's also not uh, stare at the QB and let guys run behind you. Like, he's got good understanding for that type of thing. Like, do you remember Tay Crowder blowing any coverages over the middle this year? Like, no, I, not I over the – on the sidelines, a different story, but over the he middle. Here's where no. he got screwed, in the, especially in the early season. 
when the Giants were trying to play man and they would motion the running back out and take yeah. Crowder, you got beat on some of those plays. I think like Washington. J- J.D. McKissick, Washington, yeah, Washington huge got- play. I mean, that, that like, you can make an argument that costs us the game outside of the Darius Slayton drop pass and then the Dexter Lawrence offsides. But I just kind of view that more as, like, putting a, a player in a bad situation more yeah, so I than, Yeah, I agree like, with that. Yeah. You know. So, like, he, he, like, and he got better as the year went on. So, he is a decent coverage linebacker. And I think, now, if, again, with where I'm at with Tate Crowder, is if they upgrade inside linebacker too, like draft someone in the second, third round, and he's the third guy, cool. Yes, I agree. But if they don't view that as a pressing need, and Blake Martinez is around, and he's the second guy, cool too. Like, I understand, like, I we can't, you know, Blake Martinez got hurt, but Blake Martinez, like, didn't miss a snap for, like, four straight years, you know? It'd be one thing if we had, like, a Sterling Shepard injury, like, a profile on Blake Martinez. Then I would feel like, we got to really upgrade there. But hopefully Blake's back. Not, maybe not the same, but still good. And he can play that number two role. Or if they want to upgrade in the draft, he's that number three role, which I don't think any of us would have complaints about no. him at the three role. No, and you talk about this every year, especially when we get to training camp. That interior linebacker depth chart, it's going to be sorted through it's it's going to be gone through um you know carter coffee got hurt blake martinez got hurt jalen smith winds up coming in and being interior linebacker number two by the end of the year so that depth chart's going to be going through so if tay crowder's number three next year he's going to play he's going to probably have a, a somewhat of a significant role eventually and that'll be a good thing that he'll be th- third in line raglan and mckinney i want to go through quickly raglan's Ooh, 28 years old he's gonna be a free, he's he's a he's a free agent 67 tackles, two tackles for a loss, one QB hit. Like I said before, I always thought the the defense could benefit, and like if this was Madden, putting him at the inside linebacker one and Crowder the two, but I don't think Graham trusted him. You know, like he was better fit for like that taking on the run game, but he was so bad in coverage. Like he was a zero in coverage. Like he does, he just didn't like have the athleticism for it. He just didn't cover ground well. He was just he was a bad player in coverage, and that's why um, I think Patrick Graham didn't play him more. You know, and why they went out and got a Bernardrick McKinney and even a Jalen Smith and gave those reps to those guys. So he's going to be a free agent. I don't see him being back. And it's just frustrating. Like he, it just Patrick Graham never seemed to trust him. And he, the fact that he was worse in coverage than, uh, than the other three guys, uh, to be quite honest. Yeah. I think he's, I think I said during the summer that his, his main weakness was coverage. And I think you dispelled it, but I'm going to say that I was right. I definitely didn't say he was good. I didn't say he was like flat out horrible in coverage, but I definitely didn't say he was good in coverage. Um, like he's good at taking on contact more than the other guys. Maybe not McKinney, but like taking on contact. But it's like, well, when you're running light boxes, like you're not put in those situations. And when you're the number two guy, I need you to kind of play fast and flow and not just take on contact and, and shed that way. Yeah. Like if we're just doing an offensive line versus inside linebacker shedding drill, yeah. He probably wins that over Tay Crowder, but everything else Tay Crowder was better at, and including I think running the defense. Which again, there's a re- there's a reason why Blake Martinez spoke so highly of Tay his rookie year, and Patrick Graham like didn't even flinch at giving that role to someone else other than Tay Crowder. So Raglan, gone or back next year? Gone, gone. Bernardrick McKinney, he was signed midseason, uh, played a long time for the Texans, and then was cut by the Dolphins. Uh, he only played 27 more snaps than Jalen Smith. 29 tackles, a tackle for a loss. He could shed blocks all right. He was just so slow to get there. He had and some he nice good hits. good coverage either. Huh? He had some nice hits. He had like one or two. Yeah. I count that as some. I don't know. I don't even want to talk about him, to be honest. Kansas we City, just... didn't he have a, he had a, he had a fun, he had some fun plays against Kansas City. We'll always have Kansas City with Bernardrick McKinney. There you go. Gone or back? Gone. I'm going to say back in camp. Ooh, back. Back in the... Jalen Smith. Did you know Jalen Smith is still only 26 years old? Love that. That's crazy. Um, 19 tackles, attacker for a loss, a sack, a QB hit. Basically played like three and a half games for the Giants. He was flying around. Like, he was paying flash to the ball. I don't know if the Giants are going to be able to bring him back because I think someone might watch those four games of tape with a better roster and try and bring Jalen Smith in. Or he can view this as, like, I can play next to Blake Martinez and be that number two role. Like, I have no idea if I should get excited about Jalen Smith or just shut my mouth about Jalen Smith. I kind of want to... 
I, I don't want to get excited about him because I feel like I could get let down because he did have serious issues. But like those two games, he flew around. He wasn't playing. He wasn't some game changer that he was in Dallas. But he was flying around and playing faster than other guys. Like maybe next, to, maybe him next to Blake next year could be a nice little combo. I'm excited about him. He's back. He's back in the. I just can't. You know, like I, I can't. I've been, I've been, I've been too broken by this team to get excited about a Jalen Smith. I mean, really, the the expectation if he is back, right? The expectation would be interior linebacker number three. Or you just compete with Take Router. And I still bring him back, even if his free agency comes before the draft. Jalen Smith still doesn't change the fact that if you want to draft a Devin Lloyd, you do that. Still doesn't yeah. change it. Or even, you know, second round guy. Or yeah. third round guy. Doesn't um, doesn't doesn't change that for me. So then you have You can't give him any guaranteed money though. And I think that's why he might go to like another team for like that has like a half a mil guaranteed or something. Giants could be in a world where it's Blake Martinez, a rookie, Tay Crowder, Jalen Smith, and I would love that world. But I don't think Jalen Smith would love that world. Well, he got cut. He he got cut by two teams, not just one, two. The Cowboys is understandable. The Packers, I don't know what went wrong there. Um, I don't know. I think someone will give him like you know half a mil to three quarter of a mil guaranteed with incentives, and the Giants aren't in a spot to do that. Shame. Hopefully nobody watches that film. Like, don't... Giants stink. You don't want to watch. Just don't watch it. We will. <laughs> um, Alright, that's an episode. We uh, appreciate you guys. We'll see you... The next episode will probably be the Giants have hired a GM. I hope that they hire the GM on a Thursday and not a Friday. If they hire the GM on a Friday, you're going to have a Saturday episode. Right? That's going to happen? Best case scenario would be on a Tuesday. We have an episode Tuesday night put out on Wednesday, and then the presser is on Thursday, and then we could put a, a presser episode out on Friday. Are you saying of this week? They're yes. not hiring. They're not hiring the GM Tuesday. Why not? Because they need to do second round of interviews. They've only done one round. Their Adam Peters is being interviewed. one round ends on Monday. Yeah, they Adam. Can Adam, have the- Adam Peters is being interviewed on Monday when everybody's listening to this, and then I think I mean. They you would could bring probably... Shane in Tuesday and be like, all right, this is our guy. We're going with it. Oh, just not even interview anybody else for round two? Just Joe Shane? I don't know. But anyways, whatever happens, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, let's go Big Blue. Big Blue.